thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 30. Sorry for being away for a bit. I was on a four-week trip in Asia doing ministry, and I just wasn't able to get to it. So I'm back in Thailand and back to the Thread desk. So today we're going to be talking about the spirit of greatness among those who are in leadership as Christians, like everything from leadership in a family, leadership in an organization or in your community, leadership at school, leadership at work. Basically, this thread is about being the boss. And there's all kinds of baggage in every culture that goes with being the boss. And some of that stuff's really feels good to you, and some of it creates trouble. But we're going to key on one thing that Jesus thought about when he thought about leadership. And uh, I think we're going to all get some good instruction today because we are people of destiny. God has things for us to do, and he is raising us up to be influential and to be uh, the leader and to be the one who pushes things ahead. And when you're in that role, there are some inherent Uh, spiritual risks, as well as abundant blessings uh, for getting to have that that role. So we want to talk about that today. So if you don't have your Bible, go get one, because we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and I'll be right back. Back now in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. And we note here in, um, in this chapter in Mark, the cycle that uh, we see in the life of Jesus, cycles of public and then private. He doesn't just push himself to always stay in the public eye, and nor does he run away from people and just stay locked in his study all the time. Uh, He understands that a life of ministering to people and a life of being a blessing and an influence in the lives of others requires you to have both, and they have to run in a cycle because one feeds and fuels the other one. You know, you, you stay in your private place, you get yourself strong inside, and then you launch out into the public side. You minister, you go out of your uh, safety zone. And you get out and you minister to people and you touch lives and that uh, in, it inspires you, you see fruit, you deal with problems, you help people move ahead. And then as you're doing that, uh, you get tired again. And so, but you also notice some things that you need to think about some more because you see people and they're dealing with certain issues and you want to make sure that you also don't have that issue in your life. Uh, or you need to try to think through the solution for those things and what would be the best way to address a problem like that. You know, I know as a, as a pastor in leadership, I would sometimes get into somebody's story and they're starting to share their story, you know, and, and how they, uh, in the end, you know, they might've ended up with two or three families. And I mean, these are, I mean, Asian society, so that's how it works sometimes. So these are women that depended on these men for, their monthly income, they have family, you know, these are children in each of those uh, domestic setups, and, you know, now this man comes to Christ, and it's like, man, this is like unscrambling eggs now, what can you do, what is the responsible way to handle this, 
because these kids need to connect to their dad if his first wife is willing to stay with him, which many times they were, um, as long as he'll stop this practice, uh, then we need to assure her and he needs to focus his energy on that relationship. But these kids still need him and those women need a source of support. And so, you know, how do you handle this? And so leadership requires you to get out in the public, embrace people, touch them, get messy, and then, but you can't stay there forever. And you, you need to have a cycle where you back in and you say, okay, now this and this one's for me. I have to take care of myself. I have to make sure I'm getting sleep. I have to feed myself. I have to just kick back sometimes because my mind needs to get cleared out and free and and I need to live also. I need to live and enjoy the life that I get because I'm not a martyr. I'm a minister. And uh, so you have these cycles. And Jesus is in one of those cycles. And in this case, he is moving toward the cross and moving toward the time when he will no longer be with his disciples. And this is going to be the time when they are going to have to continue the ministry, and they're going to have to continue to push the kingdom movement ahead and do it without him. They're going to have to deal with political problems, uh, with the political machinery of their day. They are going to have to learn to be public men themselves. They've lived a small private life all their days, and now they have to shift uh, they're going to have to find their own balance. They're going to be looked up to greatly. Uh, even as they feel a lot of pressure, they're going to get a lot of admiration and a lot of followership uh, is going to kick in because this huge movement that he has started, he is going to roll over onto them and they will become the human leaders for it. And he needs to prepare them for it. And it says in verse 30, they left from where they were and they passed through Galilee, but he did not want people to know about it. This was a, uh, a retreat season for him. He's out of the public side. He's not looking for any other places to do ministry. Uh, he is gearing up for the next big push. And that's something about leadership. You have to be able to anticipate the future and get yourself ready for it. Don't be surprised by the future as much as you can see it coming. And he could definitely see the issues out ahead of him and he understood that the the priority is not the public side the priority is not another big event another big crowd thing that the priority was the development of his inner circle he knew that uh, anything that's truly big is too big for one person to do alone and you need to learn how to enlist the abilities of other people and draw all their strengths and giftedness and bring it to bear in the task that you have ahead of you. And so he he wants to focus on his 12 men. He's got to work in their life. He's got to get their minds geared up. Because in verse 31, he says, I'm about to step into a role. And he speaks even in of himself in the third person. I'm not just me. I am stepping in the role of the Son of Man. I am going to become the representative of all men, Son of Man. I, I represent all mankind in this role. And the Son of Man is about to be, He actually he said the process is already happening, verse 31. He is being betrayed right now. The gears are already turning. Things are happening. Betrayal is a process and it's already kicked in and I'm starting to be betrayed. You know, as he's speaking, Judas is right there in front of him. And in the mind of Judas, he has lost his love for the Lord. He resents Jesus. He 
something's going on inside his mind that makes him do you know the thing that he does later where he initiates betrayal he goes to the high priest and says how much money will you give me if i set jesus up and put him in a place that you can get to him without crowds because that was always the issue for them they would have loved to have killed jesus many times they just couldn't get him in a proper location so they could swoop in he says i'll do that for you how much money and they offer him this nothing tiny amount he's such a small thinking guy that's what he takes but jesus knows this is already happening i am the son of man is being betrayed and he will be betrayed into the hands of men and those men will kill him deal with that you've got to settle this thought in your mind see he has settled in his own mind so he's not going to feel bewildered when it happens. He is mentally prepared for his own suffering and for what is coming to him. Turns to the disciples, he says, and after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. Again, he's talking about him versus me. Uh, him, son of man. This is a role. I'm going to play a role on behalf of mankind. This will achieve things that maybe you can't understand, but... I'm about to do that. I'm shifting what I am. I've been Jesus. I've been Jesus, your leader, your friend, your teacher, your door to God, your counselor, your provider, your employer. I've been Jesus, and I'm about to need to play a role. I volunteered for this role, and I am going to become the human representative, and I'm going to be beaten, and I am going to pay for everybody else's crimes against god i'm going to settle the account for everyone you need to get geared up for this so he pulls him aside he doesn't want anybody around they're on a trip they're on a retreat they're going for walks they're on a journey you know you can you can get close to people on when you get them away from the normal settings and you go on a trip and you eat food together there's just something great that happens so he's got them out on the road but verse 32 says they did not understand this saying they were afraid to ask him so they continue on their journey, and they they get down to Capernaum, which is by the sea, and that's their home base. And when he was in the house, there was a place that was the house for them, and because that was their headquarters. And when he gets there, he turns to his disciples, and in my imagination, I can just see them. They're all sitting there, and they're laughing. They're relaxed. You know, everybody's having a great time. They're, they're time off, you know. And I can just see Jesus popping a date in his mouth, and he's sitting there chewing it. And he says, um, hey, guys, what was it you were arguing about among yourselves um, on the road? And then verse 34 says they kept silent because they knew it was wrong already. On the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. You know, they're arguing among themselves about their position, about their privilege, about their power about their status, and he wants them to confess their pettiness. You know, Even if one of them had just had the courage to say it, it would have been a good thing for that person. But they won't. They just stay there in total silence. Now, he doesn't, if you notice what he's, what he's going to do between now and verse 37, he does not rebuke them for desiring to be the leader. He does not tell them that that's a, an evil thought. Now, what's wonderful is that by now, all 12 of these men knew they got it from Christ. They knew that they were men 
of destiny. They knew that they were men of authority. They knew they would receive authority, that they would be over things, that it was clear to them that they were being groomed for leadership. That he, he wasn't just spending time with them, you know, out of uh, some kind of benevolence to make them happier people. They had positions in his organization. He was working to move in his community that he was establishing, a community of God-seekers, the kingdom of God where God rules over the lives of everyone inside of that community. He's, he's grooming them to take care of the people, to lead the people. And they have all these human ideas about what it is to be the leader. But he doesn't rebuke the thought in them that they are men of destiny and they are men of leadership. That's I think he's happy, and that's why he doesn't like... Because sometimes when these guys go off on something, Jesus just, he really lets them have it because they are so off the mark. In this case, they're partially on the mark. But the problem is not that they want to be the leader. That's not the problem. Uh, a lot of people won't lead, and you wish they would. The problem is their ideas of leadership are being informed by the culture around them. They are taking cultural ideas about being the boss, and they're going to drag that into his kingdom and mess the thing up because the spirit of that leadership is where the flow of the water you know, will start. Water flows downhill, and people have to have leaders that they look up to and when they connect to those leaders, whatever flows out of that leader into those followers is going to become the next thing that gets passed on down the chain as they rise up in leadership after him or her. So for Jesus, there is a core issue he has got to deal with with these guys. Basically says to them, leadership is service and your needs go last. It's okay to feel like you're supposed to lead this group. It's it, That's from God. But he sits down and he says, let me try to illustrate this to you. Verse 35, if anyone has the desire in him to be the first, to be the leader, then he shall be or must be or should be. Then he needs to be the last of all and the servant of all. See, this is you learn this lesson in parenthood if you are a healthy parent. I have seen parents that, you know, keep their feet up on the chair and their kids are massaging their feet and their kids are doing all the work. And then some, one side of me says, God bless you. How did you learn to do that? You know, how did you master uh, getting that much involvement out of your kids? But, I, you know, I've seen it, it pushed to the extreme, not too often, uh, where parents really do just kind of dump their problems and tell their kids all their woes. And, you know, they bring this child to a place that... Um, Children don't don't need to be in yet, but when you are an appropriate parent, uh, you love your child, and you're not going to eat first. You're going to eat last. You want them to. You want to make sure they get their food, they get settled, their needs are met. You know, you sleep last. You put them to bed. You, your needs go last. You pay for their education before you pay for your gym membership or whatever it is. You know, you put them first, and it, it extends into everything else that you're the leader of in life. You, If you really are the leader, and you do love it, and you draw it underneath you, and, and it becomes something that, you know, in some way we can call it mine, Jesus says, that's fine. Just understand what it is to be the leader. 
To be the leader means you serve those people. You get behind them. You do what, everything you can to minister to their needs and make them grow and take them ahead. Leadership is service. It's not, you know, worldly bossiness. Where, and I've seen this, and where it nauseates me the most is in the church, you know. And in a denominational headquarters kind of thing is where you generally see all these signs that he's speaking against. And you've got nameplates and you've got the you know higher positions have more square footage and they're on the higher floors. And, you know, in my church, they get a not only do they get a limo, there's certain levels of leader that they mustn't get, you know, the same hotel as the the group below them. And I've heard they even have to have a different kind of car uh, limo that the, than the, you know, the second level on the pecking order gets. And it's just all this absurd stuff and the bowing and the scraping and uh you know i've been in uh, church situations in other countries uh, a lot of the world is still very vertical in its power base and i've been in in those situations too and i've watched how the clergy receive this stuff and you know it feels good it, you're being just catered to and uh you get a special i've been in countries where there's a there's a special okay it's kind of a funny situation i'm in a rice field or a cow pasture, whatever it was. But now we put a huge tent. I mean, thousands of people can get under this tent. So now it's a church crusade tent. And in the middle of this tent, there is a, um, there's a rope and wooden pegs, and they have pegged out uh, a tiny lane in that sea of people. You know, uh, It's not an aisle. It would have been an aisle, except it's the clergy... Holy man walking path where none but the clergy have the privilege to walk down as they approach the platform, you know, and it's just all this stuff and people running to carry your briefcase because you're going to be in some of those cultures. You're going to be mad at them if they don't carry your briefcase. You know, why would I be insulted by having to carry my own briefcase? All this stuff, you know, and it does. It works its way right into the kingdom of God because in well, it doesn't get in the kingdom, but it gets in the church. The church isn't the kingdom. The church is us trying our best to live out the kingdom values. The kingdom is sort of here in spirit, but it's really not here yet either. It'll be here completely when Jesus is here and all these things will change. But until then, we we wrestle because the church is embedded in a culture. And in our cultures, we are seduced by the sins of those cultures. And those sins will work their way into the church. And in this case... This is a sin that comes into the mind of a leader. And they start to get the idea that leadership is privilege. I've been in churches where pastors have a security team of eight, and these guys are talking into their sleeve, and, you know, it's just, they're just watching too much TV. And it's a, a blown out feeling of how important you are. That's not the role of the leader in Jesus' church. Now, in your organization, it might be, and maybe. All these perks and the golden toilet and the private jet, and we hear these stories, and they just everybody knows it's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. The leader will somehow argue and justify that you know, well, it's because they have this long talk, you know, of how important they are and how people will um, mob them at airports and so forth. Um, but the point is, there's nothing like that position does not exist in the church. They made that position up. They have used uh, rock star status, and they've done all this modern marketing, hyping stuff. 
but that's not a Jesus position in the Jesus church. That's totally human. They did it themselves for their own benefit. It has nothing to do with Jesus, and he's not involved, and you are not required to treat your leaders that way or to allow them to take that kind of a status in the group. Bless your leaders, love your leaders, but when they start wanting to have uh, privileges that extend far beyond the privileges that all the brothers and sisters in the in the community of Christ have, then they're just out of bounds, and we need to resist them. That's what eldership is about. Um, but even in our family, even at work, you know, let's check our attitudes and say, Lord, am I here to bless these people, or do I, am I here for my privilege and my all the specialness that goes with the higher levels in this organization? He turns in verse 36, he takes a child, and children were not what they are today. Today, you know, for us, children are our darlings. Especially in the Western world, uh, we don't have many children. We just have a few, and they are a total economic liability. Our kids don't bring money to us. They take money from us. And it's, uh, you know, in some people's mind, it's become uh, sort of the ultimate possession that, you know, I've got my career and I've got my car, and now I want a child. And some, you know, even, I'm not even married, but I want a child. And so we do this, this thing with children to us where they are oh so very, very, very valuable and we're protective of them and we yell at the school if they fall down and get hurt. And you know that is not the mindset, really, of most of the world. And it's not the mindset of the ancient world, certainly. Because in the ancient world and in the parts of Asia where I live, uh, in a lot of people's lives, children are abundance. You know, they have eight and ten children. Um, and they don't give them nearly the attention sometimes that you would think kids are a lot more on their own and are, um, in the days of Jesus, they were, they were seen not necessarily like slaves, but definitely in a servant level toward the parents, you know, they're, they will be below the parent for the rest of their life and the parent will make demands of them for the rest of their life. And in some countries, that's just how it is to be a child, especially a little child. You know, you're you're used as a worker, and I see them. I have seen them out in the field, and you know that's an issue all over the world. But in in the days of Jesus, that was definitely where it was. Um, kids were easy to get; they were everywhere, and uh, no man would take care of a child. Even in my my childhood, I I remember when it was changing, and that. A, a dad would do dishes or a dad would change a diaper. I can remember when that was a very big deal and you had to figure out what you thought of that man. You know, was he weak or was he modern man or what was going on there? In Jesus' day, everybody was really clear on this. Men don't do kids. They don't take care of kids. They don't. They might see them briefly, very, you know, vertical power-based fathering. See them briefly, touch them on the head and speak a good word to them or send them to do something for you, and they should be, as the Victorians used to say, children should be seen and not heard. And uh, that's where kids were, and men and kids, they just didn't go together. And Jesus reaches down and takes his child and starts mothering, you know, almost. He pulls him to himself, he holds him in his arms, and he's teaching them. He's got a lesson for them. He said, look, well, one thing he's saying is being a spiritual leader involves receiving and blessing children in their development. If you're going to be a spiritual leader, 
you have to be connected to children. If children don't like you, there's something wrong with you. You need to change your manner if kids are turned off from you, if kids are scared of you, if kids don't want to get near you. Work on that. Children were drawn to Jesus, and he wants the disciples to understand, one, that they have to be involved in the next generation. That's the whole essence of what uh, Christian leadership is and all of our leadership as adults has to be that we look down a couple years below us and we're looking for someone younger and we're trying to uh, mentor them and push them ahead, pass on whatever we can in their development. And he takes this child and he blesses this child. And he says, if you will receive, this is what leadership is. You're receiving children. Children were uh, insignificant in their eyes. If you receive the insignificant and the weak and the ones who are nobodies and the ones who don't have a function and the ones who don't have a position and the ones who can't do anything back for you, if you will receive these little ones, little people, but do it in my name, do it for me, do it on my behalf. I am making you my representatives. You're going to be my hands. You're going to be my lips. You're going to be my eyes. If you will reach out and receive these kids and if you draw them to yourself, pull them into your lap, hold them, bless them. Accept them, make them feel those feelings that they are accepted and blessed. And then you push them into the destiny that is out there for them. If you do that, he said, you're receiving me and not just me. You are receiving the one who sent me this concept of uh, Christ incognito, where Jesus hides in other people. And as you do things for them, you know, he says in one of his parables that, you know, when you visit a prison, Jesus is in prison. Those people you ministered to, the ones that you fed, the ones that you touched, the ones that, you know, you, anything you do for a person, he says, it's, it's me inside of them receiving. So do it for the Lord. Serve for the Lord. Don't serve for man. Uh, understand that he receives everything that you do. Uh, I can remember, um, as I was drawing close to the Lord, I was a student in college, and I prayed a lot. I mean, I have two or three hours of prayer a day in those days. And um, I was, you know, you know, when you concentrate that long on God and when you worship and worship, you, you really do, you can go to some places in your in your spirit side. I don't know what, what all I want to say about that. But, you know, there are places in prayer that you can go beyond, now I lay me down to sleep. And I was regularly enjoying that kind of sort of uh, spirit world connection. And uh, so it became the priority of my life. And as uh, sometimes I would be sitting trying to find a place to quietly, you know, either read the Bible or be alone. And uh, I'm starting to love this deep cave, you know, that I have found. And then somebody would interrupt it and it would... Uh, irritate me. I would be bothered that I'm trying to have devotions and here I am being irritated. And that happened to me pretty regularly. And then finally, one day I was uh, after chapel. Um, and, you know, I'm 19 years old and I was coming out of chapel and the Lord just dropped this thought bomb on me from this same verse that uh, you're not able, you know, everybody says, oh, I love the Lord. Well, you can't love the Lord. The Lord isn't here in front of you to be loved. You have to reflect the love. You have to bounce the love. So if you will love a person, the love bounces off them and goes to the Lord. So if you really, really do love the Lord and you want to love the Lord, 
then you need to mow somebody's grass and pick somebody up from the airport and go visit somebody in the hospital and give somebody an hour of your time and focus on them and go volunteer somewhere and you need to do something. You need to pay attention to other people because it's the only way to love the Lord. Other than that, it's just a word. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. It's just a sound. Uh, the only way you love the Lord is if you do something toward another person and that is received by God as love for him. So thank God for those interruptions and for those who interrupt because they are showing up as they've been prompted by God to interrupt you so you can love them and receive them uh, and bless them. So just to wrap it up today, we're called by God to be the leaders and those who are going to lead need to understand our big task is not to figure out, you know, how many extra days of vacation we get and how cool our office gets to be and what all people should do for us now that we're the leader. Our task is to welcome people and love people and bless even nobodies and do it in secret with nobody watching and understand that every time we do that, we are fulfilling the central purpose of being a leader and we are doing it to God himself because he sent those people to us as his representative so that we can accept them, bless them, and equip them for their destiny. Discipleship under Christ means forsaking all selfish personal ambition. So if God is moving your life, and, and I pray he will do this, and he will, he will allow you to have higher positions. I want to leave you today with the advice of my bishop, Guy Notice, Jamaican uh, bishop that when I was ordained, he was the one that ordained me and the other men there. And he left us with these words. He said, never step up into any position. There will be positions along the way. And I'm telling you now, don't ever step up into a higher position. And we all waited, you know, okay, what does that mean? And he said, step into it and just step out of it because you will have to step into and out of many roles. But if in your mind you think you're stepping up, well, then later you must step down and that's going to hurt and you might resist it and make a mess for everybody else when it has to be done. So don't step up. So you'll never have to step down. Just step into and out of all the different roles that God may place you in, in your work life, in your uh, social world and uh, the communities that you agree to join. Well, that's enough for today. And uh, I pray that your leadership will be blessed and you'll be blessed through it. If you want to talk to me directly, just please email me, chuck at quinley.com. And you can visit my personal website, quinley.com. And that's all for now. We'll see you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.